Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again today. Uh, I trust you have been tuning in every week to our program and enjoying the things we're sharing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I just want to say to you that uh, if you are just tuning in for the first time or you have tuned in before and you thought, man, I sure enjoy what's being said. I sure wish I could catch some of his other programs. You can now do that through uh, many internet outlets. We have, uh, of course, a YouTube channel that has everything that we have aired to date is, I think there's over 450 programs that we have aired on national television that you can go to YouTube at your leisure and watch uh, whenever you'd like on demand. That's one thing powerful, wonderful about YouTube is you can pause it, back it up. A lot of people use some of our materials in their, uh, their uh, like home groups or their, uh, their, their, their uh, Wednesday night um, prayer or meetings and they share maybe a 30 minute segment of one of our programs and then have a conversation about what we're sharing. We, we encourage you to do that. We're flattered that you'd even uh, consider to want to use our material. Thank you for doing that. Uh, if you'd like to uh, listen to the audio portions of it, it is available to you uh, on iTunes, and we have a podcast there. There is also an RSS feed for your Android device. The easiest way I tell people to do this, the simplest way, is simply to go to my website, which is the uh, address is on the screen, and uh, just when you go to my website, there are little icons there that are like for YouTube and little robot for the Android, uh, uh, the Android uh, feed. And you can, uh, it'll take you directly to that. You can sign up there, if you would, for our podcasts and stuff and even our uh, YouTube, and it will notify you every time we upload a new program, which we do that every week uh, when we're finished with the audio portions of that. So uh, you'll be blessed to, to be able to do that. I want to also mention very quickly before we get in the Word today that uh, the Christmas season is coming and uh, you can uh, do your Christmas shopping from right there on your couch or in your chair by simply going to our website ordering some of our books. They make great stocking stuffers. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, of course, I've shared with you is a book about a revelation of Jesus. It's the, the, the book is titled The Revelation of Jesus Christ. We preach everything but Jesus from this book, but it is really the summation and the conclusion of the redemptive program of God. And you'd be blessed to get that. I won't go into a lot of description today on the books just to encourage you to get them. The second book I wrote is called The Unforced Rhythms of Grace. And it, it talks about the grace of God that flows from rest. Rest is the finished work of Jesus. And what I do is I go in this book and show you the miracles that Jesus did on the Sabbath day, which powerfully picture what flows from the posture and position of rest. My latest book, From Law to Grace, is a book that uh, I think will really bless you because it marries the gospel of grace with the gospel of the kingdom. If we are not under the government of law and if we're not under the government of Moses, then what are we under? And the answer to that is we're under the government of the kingdom of God. We're under the old covenant. You were governed by, I call it, rules on rocks. And in the new covenant, you're governed by an indwelling 
Holy Ghost. This is a powerful book that I believe will really bless you and brings a lot of great balance to uh, even questions people ask about behavior under the new covenant. And I think it would really uh, bless you. We're going to begin uh, today in the second chapter of Luke, if you want to get your Bible and go along with us. And probably over the next couple of weeks, we are going to unpack some things, some principles that I saw in the Christmas story. To me, of course, it's not just a Christmas story. It really is the story of our redemption. But I can't hardly ever read this that I don't think about my dad who has gone on to be with the Lord because he would always read this story on Christmas morning when all of our seven siblings would be there with our families and our, hus our husbands and wives and children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. We'd all sit around on the floor and he would read this story. But it so powerfully speaks so many things that uh, I wanted to take the next couple of weeks, since this is the season for it, and begin to share some principles that I think very practically apply to our lives. Verse 1, Luke chapter 2 says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now let me just uh, um, stop and talk to you some things about this that I think will really be... First of all, I want to tell you that this season, again, uh, of the Christmas season, is when this story comes so alive to me. But during this particular season, I really become acutely aware that for many, this time or this season may not be necessarily a time of great joy. Uh, but uh, it, for, for some, it is a time of great joy. For others, it is a time of great taxing. Nonetheless, let's look at some of the things that happen during taxing times. Because as I begin to look at this, the first thing I want to say to you is that um, uh, during taxing time, that this taxing, first of all, was not coming from God. Now when I say taxing time, uh, you know, of course we're talking here about they were literally going to pay their taxes and to be assessed and, you know, make tax payments. But I think about this, uh, this, this, all the world, it would be taxed. And I think about some of the taxing things that people are going through during this, even this holiday season. And sometimes it may look like favor, and other times it may be a taxing time. In other words, it's, sometimes it's a time of great joy. For others, it's a time of great sorrow. But one of the things that I want to capitalize on, first of all, is to say to you very clearly that what you're going through, the taxing that's happening in your life, is not because God is sending it to you. See, the Scripture says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom is no bearableness, nor turning of shadows. I believe God is good, and I believe He's good all the time. And especially if you see Him through the eyes of the new covenant, it is a God who is for you and not against you. It is a time of favor. As a matter of fact, I think about the first message that Jesus ever preached in the temple, was He came into the temple and He said, go get me the book of Isaiah. 
And they brought him the scroll of Isaiah, and he sat down, and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to the recovering of sight to the blind. And then, I'm not quoting it exactly right, but the latter part of the says, And to declare to you the year of the favor of our God. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and his first public message, an announcement to all the world, as God in the flesh is now standing in front of these people, and he says to them, He has sent me to announce the year of the favor of our God. Now, I want to say to you that favor doesn't always look like favor. You know, even when I think about uh, the salutation that the angel made to Mary in the chapter before this, he said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. And, uh, you know, uh, that, 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 that seems like, you know, as we read over that, we're, we're thinking, wow, man, what a declaration that God would make over Mary. Thou that art highly favored. I understand that that Greek phrase in the Greek language is only ever used one other place in the Scripture, and it is where the Apostle Paul said, you are accepted in the Beloved. It is the same Greek phrase as saying, you are highly favored. And probably somebody sitting there today watching me says, well, I'm going to tell you, I sure don't look like I'm favored. Well, let me just tell you something. Favor doesn't always look like favor. See, the season for Mary, when he said, Thou art highly favored, in the next little season, she is going to be accused of being pregnant out of wedlock. Uh, her husband Joseph is about to put her away privately. Uh, her cousin Elizabeth is great with child, and while uh, she's great with child, and it looks like favor on her because she's had a barren womb, and the favor of God is on her, her barrenness is about to be turned around, and her pregnancy looks like favor. Now I want you to see the same thing is here's Mary also great with child, but her pregnancy don't look like favor. Because one looks like God's blessing this woman who's been barren, and the other one looks like here's a woman who's given birth out of wedlock. So sometimes favor don't always look like favor. But see, that goes to show you that people see people can be, uh, uh, you know, people can look at things uh, differently uh, uh, under different things, you know. And so uh, I, I was thinking about how even as Mary goes down to see Elizabeth, sometimes when you're going through something, you got to go to somebody that understands what you're going through, that's experiencing the same thing that you're going through, that can give you some kind of confirmation about what you're going through. Because uh, when when Elizabeth finally addressed says, Mary, she says, how is it that the mother of my Lord would come unto me? And I'm just, just wanting to share this with you, because see, what I think, sometimes we think we come to a moment of taxing, and we think that, uh, you know, well, that my world's falling apart. But it might just be that during this time of taxing, that what God is doing in the midst of it, even though He's not the source of the pain, and he's not the source of the taxing, it could be that what God is doing is causing us, it says that every man went into his own city to be taxed. To me, your own city speaks to me of finding your tribe, finding your local church. Because during the time of taxing, 
You know, I think that in this hour, many are disenfranchised with the local church in this hour. Uh, and, and, and perhaps that might be because we haven't found our tribe yet. We haven't found where we fit. Let me just encourage you, keep looking. Keep looking. You're going to find, you know, uh, you know the, it, it, this, just note this. Everyone went into his own city. The word their own uh, went into his own city denotes to me ownership. In other words, I still believe. I'm, I'm, I'm a really, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm real uh, passionate about this. I believe in the local church. Now, I understand. I travel all the time, and I understand that there are, you know, some places that do not have a place that preaches the gospel of grace. And then sometimes they're there, and you just haven't found them yet. You just got to kind of look. You know, one of the things I love doing, uh, especially because we have the power of media and the cameras that we have and the following we have on Facebook, is I love to take a picture with the pastor and his wife and post it at the places where I'm preaching. That way there may be people watching that are looking for you. They just don't know yet that you're there. They're looking for their tribe. They're looking for where they fit. We're looking for where we, uh, where we connect at. There's a place for you. Every man has his own city. That speaks to me again of the local church because in the times of taxing, sometimes you need a community of faith to stand with you. When you're walking through sickness and you've got a community of faith that's going to take you by the hand and say, listen, man, let me walk with you through this through faith. I, you know, I know in our own local church, man, there are times when people are going through things and Man, I just so appreciate sometimes the unsung heroes in our own fellowship that are cooking for people or going and mowing their lawn or helping them do this or picking someone up who needs a ride somewhere or uh, buying some groceries or feeding them something. And so when you're going through taxing time, it's always a great thing to be part of a, a local church because, see, one of the things that taxing time will do is it will push you into your own city. It makes you relocate. I was thinking uh, just, in, uh, you know, the last uh, couple of weeks I've been sharing a, a thought that uh, uh, really began to bless me. I was thinking about it from Genesis chapter 1, where it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the great deep. And uh, the word there, you know, without form and void, uh, could also be translated as chaos, if you will, taxing times. And I started, uh, you know, a friend of mine said this uh, in a conversation to me that really brought the inspiration for it. He said, chaos is the end of what's not working anymore. I think sometimes we view chaos as... Uh, 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 the end of something, and it in fact is the end of something, but it doesn't only have to be the end of something. It can be the turning point and the beginning of something completely brand new. Perhaps you've come to a place of chaos in your life. Perhaps you've come to a time of great taxing when all the world is being taxed on some level or the other. People go through stuff in their lives. But here's what I love. As I started thinking about Genesis chapter number 1, I started thinking, man, Genesis 1 is really the formula for recovery from chaos, from trouble, 
from taxing tithes. Because the very next thing says, The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the great deep. But the Spirit of God moved. It hovered over the face of the waters. What happens in the middle of taxing time is that God begins to hover. He begins to brood. The idea there is He broods like a chicken who would set down on an egg. The very similar uh, kind of verbiage is used when He comes upon Mary, and he said, Mary, hallelujah, thou art highly favored. And he said, listen, the power of the highest is going to come upon you, and the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. It's almost like as it would be a chicken sitting down on an egg. God begin to hover. Because right here in Luke chapter 2, the world was in full chaos. Because what wasn't working anymore had now come to an end. Their religious system wasn't working. Their, their time under the Roman government wasn't working. God was about, ah oh man, I feel the Holy Ghost. God was about to birth something brand new. It was the beginning of a new creation. And I don't think it is an accident that John 1.1 is almost to me a repeat of Genesis 1.1, because in John 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now we go back and we see again in Genesis 1.1, chaos. Many of you came to God in the midst of chaos. The chaos, once again, wasn't necessarily God's doing. You know, it was probably some, most of the time some of our bad decisions that brought us to that. Maybe it was the enemy at work in our lives, and some, such was somewhat of the case here in the book of uh, Luke. Uh, the taxing time was not coming from God, it was coming from Roman oppressors. And what happens is, is that uh, the things that keep us in bondage keep on taxing us. But the Spirit of God, that's what I want you to see. I believe during this season, you know, even if there are situations and things in families, right now is a real either joyous time or a rough time for families because all kinds of bad feelings, past experiences, unforgiveness, hurt feelings, misunderstandings, all kinds of stuff can surface in the midst of this. Or we're going through things and our lives have been going like they were, you know, through the year. And we've come to the end of this year and man, uh, I, I'm in taxing time. I, I, I look at and I think about because I'm, I, I'm so acutely aware of traveling. For instance, we come across so many people who are bound by substance abuse, for instance. And we see like, uh, I mean, right now this opiate addiction thing in America is a national nightmare. There is probably not a family that hasn't been touched something or somewhere by this opiate addiction, especially heroin and some of that is uh, that has really resurfaced people being addicted to it. And uh, we sometimes, you know, sometimes uh, as people continue to give themselves to that bondage, God is trying to bring them to the place of repentance or turning them around. Romans 1 and 2 says, the first part of it says, for the goodness of God will lead you to repentance. 
And we quote that, but we don't. Most people don't quote the next part of it. It says, "But after the hardness and impenitent or unrepentant heart, you treasure up for yourself wrath against the day of judgment." Uh, what he's saying is, the goodness of God will lead you to repentance, or the judgment of God will. Now, sometimes it's uh, God not judging you individually, but judging those actions. And uh, in some places, the word judgment is the Greek word crises. And so what he's saying is, is that the best way to come to repentance is to hear the Word of God, let the Spirit of God hover over you, let Him speak, let there be light, and light comes in and begins to divide the darkness. But if that doesn't, if you don't listen to the instruction and the correction of the Lord, then these circumstances that you have literally brought on yourself begin to bring you into chaos. In other words, it brings you to the end of what doesn't work anymore. I was talking to the chief of police from my own town the other day because my brother works here with a lot of the Life or Drugs program here in town, and he was saying uh, with addiction especially, you either get help, you go to jail, or you die. One of the three things. It's no options in between, between that. And sometimes we think, for instance, that when someone goes to jail, it's the end of the world for them, but it may be the best thing that ever happened to them. I see uh, a guy, again, who runs a rehab that we're in, in relationship with, and you know he was an addict himself at one time. He said the best thing ever happened to him was he got locked up where he couldn't get, you know, where he had to be inside of some kind of structure. And while we may think that, is a horrible thing, it might be the very chaos or the turning point of taxing that will drive you out of that particular thing that's continuing to destroy you and sabotage you and steal your life. See, he, he came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Really what God wants for your life is He wants to see you healed, restored, and delivered. See, grace uh, you know, uh, includes everyone, and it includes everybody. If you read Romans 1 and 2, he literally indicts everything and everybody and every kind of sin and every kind of thought man and every kind of thing that men would worship. And he includes that Romans 1 and 2, and he says, but see, here's the thing, all of that is to conclude all under sin so he can have mercy on all so that he can, at least at some point, bring you to a place where you realize, I need a Savior. See, for me, grace is not greasy. Uh, Titus writes this, he said, For the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness. So grace comes not just to cover over anything you want to and say you're good and you know, uh, uh, you know, God accepts you like you are. He absolutely does accept you like you are. But He still has a desire to save you and to transform you. This is more than just a ticket to heaven someday. The gospel is more than I get saved and then I live in 70 or 80 years of misery and then one of these days I get to go to heaven. That's included in the package. I'm taking nothing from that. But the gospel is how to give you this abundant life right now. For whom he did foreknow, them he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. So he, he didn't just predestinate you to go to heaven, He predestinated you to be conformed to the image of His Son. And uh, uh, you know, when I, I think about you know, Romans 12, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. 
See, law will conform your behavior, but grace will transform your heart. And so God is still in the heart business. He still wants to bring you into your own city, uh, and uh, you know, the, in, into the house of bread. Uh, uh, you know, Bethlehem. Uh, when they came into Bethlehem, was the house of bread, and uh, it was the place where you could be fed on fresh bread, if you will, of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And uh, they, uh, I want to just get this yet on this segment. So they went up from Galilee. In my notes, I put this. It says Galilee means a circuit, or as enclosed, or to, or rolled around, or rolling, or revolving. What it speaks to me of is breaking repetitive cycles. So they went up from Galilee. So they were about to break some repetitive cycles that were probably what was bringing them into this chaos, into this darkness. Aren't you glad that in the middle of it, God broods? His spirit moves. And then in Genesis 1, he said, let there be light. And when light comes, it begins to separate the light from the darkness. Because once you identify the problem, you can begin to break the cycles and the triggers that bring you into these repetitive cycles. Uh, they also left Nazareth, which means uh, uh, it means branch or uh, preservation. It speaks to me of being in self-preservation mode or survival mode. Uh, we, 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 sometimes we're in survival mode, but God did not call us to survive. He called us to thrive. They left those places. They left Galilee. They left the repetitive, revolving, repetitive cycles and went, uh, and they left Nazareth, the place of self-preservation and trying to survive. And they went from there to Judea, or to Judah, which means praise. And uh, uh, man, I love that. Uh, they, they went, which means praise. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, and all through the scripture, of course, last week we talked about Thanksgiving, and we talked about how praise can reverse and turn some stuff around in your life. When you begin to praise, you know, I think about, I think it was Jehoshaphat that said, when they got ready to go into the enemy's camp, he said, send Judah first. And if you send Judah first, the battle will be won. If you're sitting there listening to me today, uh, maybe this is spoken to you. Favor doesn't always look like favor, but that's not the end of God's story. It may look like you're reproached and living in a dry and a thirsty land. But I came to tell you this morning that you're about to leave the place of repetitive cycles. You're about to leave the place of survival mode, and you're about to thrive because you are highly favored when you are accepted in the beloved. You can turn things around in your life right now. You don't have to live in the chaos or environment. I'm speaking light to you right now. If you just receive in the name of Jesus, and just, just as you open your heart today and allow the Lord to change your heart and repent and say, Lord, just I receive your forgiveness, I receive your help, and I'm going to leave what I've been in bondage to because now is a time of favor. Uh, I want you to pray that prayer today. If you've been blessed today, we're about to run out of time. Let me just take a moment very quickly. If you'd like to sow a seed into this ministry to help us continue to take the gospel around the world, please do it. Uh, we appreciate it. It helps us take the gospel uh, literally around the world. You can do it via credit card, check, money order. You can call the number on the screen. Someone will be standing by to take your call, or you can write to the address or use the website and give via credit card and PayPal there. Thank you for joining us again this week. God bless you. Join us next week.
The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.